Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University. I'm Jared Piles, and with me is Dr. Rob McDowell. We are revisiting our series on the basics, talking with some different uh, experts in the field when it comes to the various staples of education. And this week, we're talking communication, Yep. and we're talking with Dr. Sandy Yang. Hello, Dr. Yang. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited that you're here. Me too. It's great it's, to have you. Thanks. It's really wonderful thanks. to have Likewise. you. Likewise. So, to kick things off, mm-hmm. tell everybody what you teach, what's your discipline, how you, how you got into higher education. Okay, I teach, I'm a professor of music history. I also teach, probably more infamously, the Introduction to Humanities. I'm the course administrator for that course. I got into higher education um, out of a desire to continue to learn myself, and honestly, because I found Christ as a college student, and I wanted to situate myself on a college campus so I could have some impact on others who might be searching like I was one day. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. So, uh, as you think about your teaching, and you did mention Intro to Humanities, which mm-hmm. is a, a large gen ed class here at Cedarville University. Sure. Um, when you approach that, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about communication before we get there. Mm-hmm. Give us a little taste of your philosophy of education and maybe specifically as you approach mm-hmm. uh, Intro to Humanities. Well, one thing I would say um, first off is that I don't teach a subject, I teach students. And that always has to be first and foremost that the students, the person, is the most important part of the equation. And of course, being a Christian, my philosophy would be to reach them, to train their character, to raise them up to be fit for the master's use. And I hope that would always be the forefront of my mind in everything I do. Um, The content is great. The pedagogy is great. But primarily, we are raising up a next generation who will carry on Mm. the torch and the God for the gospel of the kingdom. So speaking of that, you, you teach the freshman level humanities course, but you also do some higher level music history stuff. I do. Tell me about the difference you see in the students as far as you talk about, you know, you probably have to approach them differently. I do approach them differently. However, the freshman humanities course is different because it's large and online, and I don't know those students personally yet. Mm. I get to know a few of them, mostly because they have issues. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's unfortunately, how yeah. that happens that's in a how large that relationship. Gen- yeah, I mean, in the fall we have we have twenty six sections currently. We have um, about seven hundred and eighty students. And they come to my attention when there are issues. So it's a very different uh, feel than my upper level music majors, who I know personally, I have known for several years. You, you just approach them, those two different populations differently, not because of freshmen and upper level, 
but just because of the nature of the course formats. Mm. So what ways would you approach them differently? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. And especially when we talk about communication. Well, right now for humanities, with my instructors, they send out announcements every week. So it's a general announcement. I require them to, and I do it for myself when I teach sections as well. I will tell the students who I am up front. I sometimes give them a little testimony so they get to know me a little bit personally in the virtual format. And I will tell them how soon I will respond to them. Mm. So if they have any question, whatever is comfortable, I tell my instructors, probably you can go as far as 72 hours if you have to, but I would really prefer if we can respond within 24 hours. Okay. And I also tell my students, you know, when we get to the deadlines on Sunday night at 11, I will not be there mm. when you have that last five-minute question. Mm. So you just tell them that ahead of time, what to expect, how often you can expect communication. I try to be as personal and respectful to them, and I expect that from, from them as well. And uh, having the privilege of being on campus and a lot of them being residential, I will invite them to my office for face-to-face meetings if um, they have a question that's a little bit more complicated. And often I will have them, I had one this morning, in fact, um, meetings face-to-face with other instructors who are off campus, and I will facilitate a meeting with them. And that is far superior to uh, anything that I could do online. And especially if there's an issue, say with academic integrity, the first step is to have a meeting with them. Virtual, video, eye contact, even in the virtual world is very important. Okay. It almost diffuses the, the tension a bit, you know, because email, there's that virtual wall between you and the yeah. individual. So you, sure. can, you feel like maybe you can get across a couple different words or attitude could be different versus actual diffusing situation by meeting face-to-face. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can read um, their whole person in uh, face-to-face meetings. So you found that very helpful? Very, very helpful. Okay. Yeah. So as much as we're able to do that, even in the virtual um, world of education, that's great. If not, virtual video um, meetings one-on-one, I think, are a close second that we can can do that. Okay. How do you do that with your upper level? How does that look differently? Because I'm sure that's more face-to-face, right? That is, that is entirely face-to-face. Um, I see them in the hall all the time. Sure. Talk yeah. to them in the hall all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my door is wide open to them all the time. Mm. So um, I have stated office hours like 7 to 10 a.m. before chapel, and they're welcome to come anytime. I also tell them, you can come in anytime that I'm not with someone else in my room. Hmm. And there's a big window beside my door so they can look in and see if I'm occupied. So, well, it sounds like a really good first step, like for our listeners, like thinking about communication mm-hmm. based on what you're saying, mm-hmm. is plan your communication and your expectations for your sure. communication mm-hmm. out ahead of time and tell yeah. your students what they can expect from you Correct. and what you expect from them. Yes. And I should ask the, uh, add the, um, the matter of respect in a face-to-face environment as well as online. And then we have netiquette, you know, mm-hmm. rules that apply as well. So 
In my face-to-face syllabi, I have a set of expectations that I expect you to do this, and you can expect me to. You can expect me to be punctual, to be prepared, and to be respectful, to keep what you tell me confidential unless by requirement I have to report something, and I tell them that, what those things are. But um, I hold them to the same things that they can hold me to, and I allow them to. How have your students responded to that? I hope they respond well. Um, I seem to have their respect, and they have my respect, and they know that. And I, I do my very best to treat them carefully and with respect. I also do not allow anyone in the class to say anything disrespectful or that could be perceived that way. So I try to keep a classroom environment with the same level of respect. And I would say what would be analogous in the online environment is we have some discussion Mm -hmm. assignments where the students interact. They do posts and replies. And I ask them to be respectful of one another. And I'd say in one thing with the humanities, um, we have a statement on on nudity and artistic bareness in the course. And so sometimes in their discussions, they might want to post an image of what they're talking about in their discussion. I just said, be very careful and be respectful. If you have any questions regarding nudity or appropriateness, check with me first or check Mm. with your instructor first. Otherwise, you can discuss it, but don't post that image out of respect for others' sensitivities. How does how is that different from how you communicate with your instructors? Because you have a rather large network of instructors I do. I for do. the humanities course. Yeah. I'm really grateful to the Center for Teaching and Learning because they helped me create a humanities instructors course in Canvas, which is I think it stays up there permanently. I don't mm-hmm. have to convert it every right. time. So it's it's uh it's kind of my communication piece and my resource piece for the humanities instructors and having, um, there's 26 sections again, I say this fall, in the spring there are 14, Mm. and um, currently 14 instructors, I believe, all together right now, just this one, this fall. And I don't know why, but I have the privilege of having a waiting list. I have quite a long waiting list of instructors who want to teach humanities. That's great. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? Yeah, yes. That and they're, they've all been vetted through HR, so they're all qualified and they're, they're mm. ready to go as soon as um, we have an opening. But um, that humanities instructors course is set up so that I send out regular announcements to them. So in a sense, you could say I'm modeling communi- regular communication. And of course, you know, the federal government requires regular and substantive substantive interaction or communication between instructors and students in order to be a distance education course that can receive Title IV funding. Right. I send them frequent announcements anytime uh, there's a reminder or an update or a change or say another, uh, say an arts event on campus, maybe they want to tell their students about, uh, I will send that announcement. Uh, any revisions that we do to the course, and as you probably know, and it might be the bane of your existence, I do a lot of, of I request a lot of revisions, little tweaks. And actually, one of the things I do for the instructors communicating back is I ask them to give me suggestions anytime 
and let me know anytime, as soon as possible, if something's not working. So we can get right on that. Mm -hmm. And my goal would be is to make the course as perfect as we possibly can make it. And but there's always little little tweaks and um and then you make one tweak and then it has an impact in another area. So you either have to make another tweak or back out of that one. So um, we're always working on that, but I invite them to give me suggestions. And I think they feel grateful for that, to have a voice as part of the course, not just an adjunct doing what they have to do or mm -hmm. what I tell them to do. But they have a real active part. And I think it gives them ownership in the course and a sense of worth and a sense of, of value. Mm -hmm. And so that communication is really both ways. Uh, I also have in some of the modules in that course, I have resources and I also have um, like sample welcome videos or sa sample instructor bios. And some of the instructors have uploaded their samples, their little sample welcome, the sample bio. And that's been a help to the new instructors mm. that have come on. And I've also another module with academic integrity uh, violation materials, the academic uh, policy and process, and um, some sample ways that we have dealt with academic integrity. You're kind of playing this mediator role between instructor and the student. Yes. You kind of have your foot in both camps. Yes. How have you in the past handled that from a communication perspective when, you know, an instructor says, wait, I got to meet with the student because they're, you know, academic integrity issues. Sure. How have you handled that? Like, cause you kind of have to play both sides a bit. Well, the first thing I do when, in fact, that was part of what I, I just did. Okay. So uh, not to mention any names or anything. So I don't want to get too close to the issue and the details because um, of the relevance. But um, uh, instructor asked me to look into um, a grading issue that another, that one of the students was um, raising with the instructor. So I met with that student this morning and we went over all the details of the issue and actually found something in there that I won't say was overlooked by the instructor, but was uh, something that prevented the instructor from looking at the, the source or getting to the source. The, the URL was wrong. Mm -hmm. So we were able, I was able to work through with the student. The student had also responded in, um, I would say, uh, maybe an inappropriate way to the instructor, like not so... Less than respectful? Yeah, less than respectful. So I spoke to her about that. And uh, she said she actually had been convicted by the mm. Lord and she had apologized already. And so I um, also went ahead and I said, you know, you don't have to get really upset about this, um, these issues, because you have to know there are so many avenues on campus that we have set up for you to resolve your issues, to have your voice. We have the conflict resolution page and a great appeal page, and you have done the right thing to approach your instructor when you're questioning this grade. You've done that well, and you've come to see me. And so um, we resolved it, and then we prayed together. I think it turned out well. You just have to, you have to weigh things and sure. look very, very carefully into it. Uh, the same thing with academic integrity issues. This was kind of more of a grade appeal kind of thing. 
Well, those are opportunities for growth for that individual. Yeah, they certainly are. And and she was very receptive. So it turned out well. Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess one of the questions that I would have is you have had a lot of experience dealing in both worlds, online, mm-hmm. face-to-face. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here at Cedarville, we're doing more online courses. Sure. And as mm-hmm. you think about your colleagues who may be thinking about taking something on, in, mm-hmm. in their area online, uh, what are three or however many you would like to give little pieces of encouragement or, you know, hot tips mm-hmm. uh, that you would give to them in approaching an online course in terms of communication, of course? Oh, in terms of communication, I would just say, number one, it can be done. Mm. It is doable. <laughs> mm. Let's do it. Let's think outside the box. Let's do this. Be innovative be ideating there you go i know i love that that is is my favorite word i love it there are so many tools and the audio environment is so much improved now so my field is music okay and of course it's music history but for my music colleagues the audio quality in terms of teaching lessons of doing ensembles together virtual lessons and that kind of thing, which is a big thing we have to face in online teaching. Mm -hmm. The possibilities of doing that with um, superior audio quality is getting better and better. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would say my tip would be don't shy away from it. Don't think it's impossible in this field to have online learning. So have a hopeful mindset, positive mindset. Love it. Love it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Another one? Another one in terms of communication, mm-hmm. I would say you know we've just spent all this time talking about the the superior value of face to face communication. Well, if you don't have that, you do have the virtual environments and the video quality, the communication that you can develop and I would say it has to be learned, but you can learn it in the same way that we learn how to make friends, we learn how to navigate, be in social environments and build our communication skills, the same can apply. And I think you'd go maybe almost just as far in the virtual world oh, with online education. just as far. And I think because you're reaching a much wider audience, that even surpasses that little almost just as much as the face-to-face. Because in the face-to-face, you really can only touch those who are physically in your environment. Mm-hmm. So it's worth ideating. So you can expand your mission. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So anything else? I can expand your education. Well. Educational possibilities. I just I just and influence. I just love that you are you strike me as someone that always wants to learn. Exactly. You said that from the very beginning. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that so much that Thank you. You're one that's like, you know, this this is good what I have right now, but there's probably more out there. It's mm-hmm. probably better. So I would have to say of the faculty that we've worked with over the mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. you are driven to continue to change. Absolutely. To become better. I know you probably wouldn't say this of yourself, but I will. I think you're a really good role model to wow. approaching controlling a course or having oversight over a course in an online environment especially. And uh, I can't think of anyone else that I would, I would say that about to that level. You give us that feedback all the time, but that tells us 
she cares, that means her students are going to get a really good product, and so will the folks that want to teach in it. And that also, I think, shows up in the fact that you've got so many people wanting to teach, right? Because you give them that kind of support. So, you know, thank you for doing that. And thank you for always making our course better. <laughs> We're here to help you, that's for sure. And, yep. you, and you are. You are. Good. We're really, really yeah. grateful for the CTL. I would like to know, of all the things that you've tried over the years, what's one thing that didn't go well? You're like, oh, I had to back up on that one. And then what's something you'd like to try next? Oh, okay. The one thing that didn't go well was my first year of teaching here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Two classes. They were... I would never do that again. Mm. But, you know, I'm learning, trying to come here and do my best in global music. I'd never taught that before. Music of the church had never taught that before. My dear students just, they were good. They were nice. But, you know, I was teaching like one lesson ahead of the next lesson. Not knowing my subject, just learning the subject on the fly as as I'm teaching it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I don't know how I would do that any better in a first year environment. Mm. But yeah, um, there have been many things that have not gone well. So my hesitation is not that there weren't anything. It's just, <laughs> just too many to There's pick too from. Many to pick. Well, I yeah. think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. So, so we're wh- learning. What's something now that you would, you know, you're looking at on the horizon, something new, something that has your curiosity and you want to try it, you want to do it? Well, I redid my course during COVID. And, um, you know, we have those innovative webinars yeah. that Dr. Mack had introduced us to. So I went to some of those, and some of those were really helpful. So I incorporated, I took everything out of my face-to-face course that I felt like they could do online. So I'm almost teaching a hybrid course for music history, although it's not hybrid. I make them do a quiz before they come, analysis on the way out, and then we work on class activities in the class where they can interact with each other. So I might like to redo even my global music class or maybe another class to be more like that, where you're really utilizing the face-to-face class time and at the same time utilizing the online Canvas environment to do those things that those kids can do on their own Mm. and then really spend more quality time when we're face-to-face together of discussions, critical thinking, uh, that kind of working together. I love it. This is interesting. I didn't know you were doing that. So knowing that you're, I'm not going to use the word because I think it seems to have anathema. Starts with an F, ends with a P. I don't think it's flipped because <laughs> I'm pretty I've, close to it. I mean, if you're if you're having students doing work, they do work. They have to come to class prepared. prepared. That's, That's why they do this quiz. That is essentially the is that the bedrock flip? foundation of the flipped model. Oh, okay. And it's it's essentially you're you're trying to get the most out of the time. Exactly. That you I have am. with the students. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's called flipped, then we flipped. Boom. You flipped it. You flipped it. <laughs> and it sounds like you want to do it again in your, what, which course? Maybe glo- global music. Okay. Could be introduction to music literature. Um, we're working on that. So. Well, I know an instructional designer that wants to help you out with that if, they, if you want to. Uh, I do. It's me. Yes, thank you. Right, no problem. Okay. <laughs> Just check. I heard, 
Now we we've all heard this. Now. Yeah, it's officially <laughs> okay. In. I'm going to yeah. come after you. It's yeah, been imprinted Jared. on the tape. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us oh, today. Oh, it's my Dr. pleasure. I appreciate great it. Great to talk. This to has you. been great. Thank yeah. you. That's going to do it for us on the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check out our coffee drops. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu and check out our blog at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog. Thanks.